This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. We've talked about it a couple times on the show today. Uh, British Columbia has been given a little dose of winter here. A pretty significant dose of winter in the last couple of days. But Sylvie Fiquette has soldiered on to, cup, to pop by for a regional report as a content development specialist for AMI in Pacific Canada. Hey, good morning, Sylvie. Good morning, Dave. It is chilly out here. When it when it's going to be minus nine or minus ten with the wind chill in Vancouver, people uh, people take notice. And I, I shared it at the top of the hour, Sylvie, about the closure of the Alex Fraser Bridge on Tuesday. I don't think people who don't live in Vancouver quite understand what a major artery that is. Yeah, when a bridge is shut down here, we're in massive trouble. It's the only way we can get around all of the water that we have. So yeah, that was hugely crazy. People were stuck in traffic for, you know, overnight. It was terrible. They abandoned their vehicles. Some folks just picked up and left and said, no, I'll walk. And people were running around bringing coffee and treats and things for like neighbor, like people in the community were yeah. trying to take care of each other. So it was very nice to see that. Well, Sylvie, lots of water around Vancouver of the ocean variety, but let's talk about a new accessible pool in Prince George, BC. The community recently introduced an accessible pool for people with disabilities. Let's start with the facility itself. What is the facility? Yes. Well, this is really, really stunning, Dave. Maybe not a new kid in town, but a new pool for sure. The largest community in northern BC, Prince George, can now take a bow for their newly opened Can4 Leisure Pool. At the price tag of $39 million, it's stunningly gorgeous. Nothing short, really, of state-of-the-art construction when it comes to accessibility features and services for those living with disabilities in the region. A 2016 Aquatic Needs Assessment Report conducted on the 50-year-old Community Four Seasons Pool in downtown Prince George cited numerous accessibility and safety shortcomings. So, the bottom line, that pool had to go, and mm-hmm. here they have a new one now. So what are some of these accessibility highlights? Yeah, one of the most notable accessibility features in the new building is the inclusion of pool pods that assist people when they're getting into and out of the water. Think of it as a water elevator. Oh, I could use e- that. It's amazing. Each remote control operated pool pod is big enough to contain one of the water wheelchairs that are available to the public. The door opens, people enter, and the pod drops down into the water. Um, The accessibility features at Canfor start before customers even enter the building. Out front are four wheelchair accessible parking spots. There are automatic doors at the entrance and no stairs or steep ramps to contend with. And inside colored strips on the floor help guide partially sighted people to the change room area, which includes a universal room with 16 private change spaces and three for people with disabilities. The barrier-free change rooms each have a motorized bed that can be lowered to the floor, a track system to hoist people onto the bed, and showers with fold-up seats. Even the hot tub, Dave, is fully accessible. Oh, yeah. 
It's great. It has different water depths, enabling one to wheel with a water wheelchair right into the hot tub. I'm on Expedia right now booking my trip to Prince George for uh, for a nice pool day there at the community center. Uh, Sylvie, (laughs) as you mentioned, this is something that's been identified by the community, a need for a long time. What's the early reaction? Yes. So a Prince George resident and advocate for people with disabilities said as a person who deals with chronic pain and mobility mobility issues, he's very excited about using the new pool. He loves water, saying the ability to just float that freedom in the water, it just makes you feel so good. Uh, The advocate added that with proper equipment and trained staff, a person with a disability who comes to the pool may just need a little extra help, which is super important in making that person feel like they're part of Prince George and the community. They've been just um, really truly thought of and um, that way the community with disabilities can enjoy the facility as much as everybody else. And the aspect of inclusion is just really truly highlighted in this new pool. Sylvie, let's move on from this community story to a broader government story. And people should bear with us on this one because there's some double double negatives that can get a little confusing. So BC's newly appointed premier, David Eby, has announced the government's plan to eliminate individual funding for children diagnosed with autism in the province has now been scrapped. The best way for us to move forward for kids in the province is to ensure that those families that have services that are working for them are not stressed, are not anxious about what the future looks like, that we're all focused together on delivering for kids across the province. So, Sylvia, again, this can get a little bit complicated. There's double negatives in the way that this has been presented. But let's start with the initial policy idea. Why did BC's Minister for Children initially decide to phase out individual autism funding for children in BC? Yes. So, Dave, double negatives all around with this one. So in October 2021, Mitzi Dean, Minister for Children and Families, stated that the government would be phasing out individualized funding for children with autism in B.C. by 2025. Dean announced then that children with autism would still get services through a new hub model, which would be very inclusive for children with various conditions, not just autism. For families with children who have autism in BC, the individualized funding model means that, for example, children between the ages of 6 to 18 years old would receive a maximum of 6000 per year for each child that has autism in a family. The funding could be used for behavior consultants or analysts, speech language pathologists, occupational therapists or physical therapists, as well as for out-of-school support, life skills programs and behavior interventionists. So... Why did the government, specifically the new premier, David Eby, who's literally been in power for less than a month, why did he decide to revisit this policy change? Yeah, Eby said the decision to maintain individualized funding instead of phasing it out in 2025 came after recent meetings with parents, caregivers, Indigenous groups, child rights organizations, and experts. Eby stated it's Hope is, or his hope is that we have a reset where parents are reassured that they'll get the services for their kids that they need, regardless of that child's diagnosis. And those parents that have systems in place that are working for families that are working for their kids will be able to continue with those programs. 
So what's the response of some of the parents here? So we've, we've only got about 90 seconds. And I just before you answer, I just want to specify that when it comes to individualized autism pro- programming it can and funding can actually be a little controversial. In Ontario, they tried to phase it in and parents objected. In BC, they tried to phase it out and parents object. There's no necessarily unanimity here. But what's been the response from some of the folks who fought to keep this individualized funding? Yes. So Dave, over the past year, there have been countless numbers of parents who receive individualized funding, very vocal advocating for their kids to continue receiving this funding. Um, It's not a cure for sure, not a silver bullet, but it increases in a non-trivial way the likelihood these children will have a better life. So many parents over the last 20 years have used the funding to buy one-to-one therapy for their children, which significantly uh, mitigates the symptoms of ASD. And uh, it just really increases these children's chance and opportunity to live life with dignity. And so it is something that we've heard about often. We've reported on the show Mm -hmm. that uh, people are very vocal about this. So it is it's one of those things where, you know, a hub model sounds great until you go for the services and there isn't someone specialized in that hub Mm -hmm. to provide them. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Sylvie, thank you for bringing us this update. It's a really important story. Thank you for being on top of that one for us. All the best to you, and I hope you find a very warm sweater uh, for this afternoon and this evening. (laughs) Turtleneck, I'm... I'm dialed into the cold, Dave. Have a great day. Oh my gosh, that's Sylvie Fiquette's Content Development Specialist for AMI. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Joita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada. Watch The Pulse on YouTube or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts.